Coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the garage of solitude in Queens, New York, I'm Mario Francisco Robles. And from the deep, dark cave of my home office on Long Island, I am also pre-recorded, and I am Brett Miro, and this is episode 167 of the Fanboy Podcast. Yes, it most certainly is. Uh, it, it, it has been a week, Brett. Uh, sure first of all, I... I I did episode 166 solo, right? And I did it late, right? I did it on Monday night. We released it on Tuesday morning. And uh, that was a makeup for last week, because last week just Brett and I could not get the logistics in place to record something for you. But listen, it worked out just as well, because it gave me a chance to see Black Adam. And in that episode, not only did I offer you my non, no, my full spoiler overload Black Adam review, but I got to, you know, spend a lot of time on Henry Cavill's Superman because on Monday, Cavill made it official he was returning to the role. But if you thought that was the big DC topic of the week, boy, oh boy, things changed. Uh, things got added and accelerated pretty much right after I released that episode because we just when we thought that Henry's return and the success of Black Adam was enough of a big story, we went and found out that DC actually has some leadership now. So we're going to get into all that today. We're going to talk about the leadership. We're going to talk about uh, the ramifications of this, what this could mean for the future. We're going, to, we're going to talk about several angles of what this means. But first, Brett, let's check in how we usually do. Have you watched or played anything particularly interesting since we last chatted? Yes, so I listened to episode 166. Ah, it was a very good. good episode, so I'm all caught up on all my Superman news. There um, you go. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent job without me. Um, I could, I could, I could not get it together. Um, but uh, as far as what I've been watching and playing, so um, lately I've been on. Uh, it's been a bunch, right? So I caught up on Andor, except I didn't nice. watch the most recent episode, episode gotcha. seven. But I'm uh, no, I'm sorry, I watched episode seven. So I guess I didn't see eight that came out this week. So I'm all caught up on on Andor. That show is fantastic. Is um, my wife and I have been on like a three show cycle of uh, Hulu's The Patient with Steve Carell, um, okay. Atlanta, uh, which is a Donald Glover joint. Um, it's on the yeah. final season, um, and that show is excellent. And um, Abbott Elementary, which is like a new oh yeah, yeah. Parks my and Rec office mockumentary style uh, show that takes yep. place in like a uh, you know. Um, I guess like a, a low, low income neighborhood, like elementary school in Philadelphia, um, which is, it's a really, really rad show. I like it a lot. And, uh, my wife's a teacher and your wife's also a teacher. So well, actually they, wife, yeah. uh, she would really probably appreciate it. Jesse, uh, you know, really appreciates it. Um, yeah, it's got a lot to, uh, offer for her, you know, for her, uh, profession and everything. So kind of cool. So we've been watching all those, uh, the patient did just end. We had the season finale, um, which actually was, you know, pretty, uh, there was, got a little shocking i was like i didn't know if it was gonna go this way it's been like this really slow build um also randomly david allen greer is in that like as like um no i don't know spoilers i guess whatever but like there's parts where steve carell is like a therapist in the show yeah. or a psychiatrist or whatever you call it and he um without getting into specifics he kind of like retreats into his mind palace in certain uh, aspects and has his okay. own therapy section session in his head with um, 
David Allen Greer's character, who I guess in real life was like his therapist back in the day, and maybe he's not around anymore, or not even around anymore. It's just the situation Steve Carell's in; he can't go see him, so he kind of has like this internal monologue, I guess, with him. And I was like, David Allen Greer, so good to see you, man. He looks, <laughs> he looks fantastic, and uh, he was good though. So that was interesting, random. But um, I've been watching those shows, so that's that's what's been going on there. As far as playing, um, something new just came out, and that is Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Uh, this is a mm. sequel to, I believe, 2017's not Mario Dawn Plus Rabbids. No, sorry, yeah, yes. not Dawn of Hope. Uh, Dawn of Justice. Um, uh, 2017's Mario Plus uh, Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which was kind of like the surprise title that came out of uh, Ubisoft, uh, a yeah. Nintendo collaboration. And it's basically like a turn-based uh, tactical strategy uh game uh turn-based tactical strategy battles kind of like uh xcom if uh you know you're familiar with that franchise yeah um and uh not something i'm normally into like i normally don't like games like that i do not seek them do not play them i played the first one because i said oh whatever this looks kind of cool and fell in love with it and i think most people who did were like oh wow i am like pleasantly surprised this game is very well made um so they finally made a sequel they've been working on it all this time just came out and uh i am proud to say uh or not proud i didn't work on it i'm happy yeah. to say <laughs> i'm so I'm proud, proud to, to say i I'm, like you know it. What? i'm proud of the developers and i'm proud of myself for, for playing it uh but you yeah, know it's it's excellent um it's uh seems like it offers um much of what the first one did but they refined everything and it, honestly it, it, i haven't played the first one since i played it when it came out but um by a lot of people's um you know, measurements on, on social media and stuff. Uh, people are like, yo, this is actually better than the first one. It improves upon it in like every way. And uh, yeah, it's a really tight game. Something really cool, you know, for those that are nerdy into music like me, they kind of got like a uh, like a best of uh, composer list for this game. So the first game was uh, composed, mar- uh, I think the whole entire thing was composed by Grant Kirkhope. Um, so he's uh, Banjo-Kazooie. Um, so he's probably one of his most famous things. Um, he's Banjo Kazooie. Wow. He is actually now he did all the music for Banjo Kazooie yeah. and some of the other like rare titles. I think like I feel like he might have worked like Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Um, and he's done like a ton of other things. Like those are like the biggest ones that jump out at me. But so he's back on this. But they also added uh, a gentleman named Gareth Coker, um, who is the composer for Ori and the Blind Forest, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And most recently, he did a lot of composition for Halo Infinite. And that guy is fucking a force. He's like an, an amazing composer. Um, just kind of, if you listened to actually his uh, soundtracks for Ori, both Ori games, um, yeah. they are like absolutely stunning and beautiful and like amazing. Uh, and his, his, the, the compositions of his that are on the Halo soundtrack are like fucking they're the tits. Uh, they're awesome. <laughs> so he's on this soundtrack. And then they also brought in Yoko Shimomura. Um, she is famous. You will recognize her music all over the place. Um, from like my favorite game of all time, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. She composed that. Um, she composed uh, music for Final Fantasy 15. She composed uh, Kingdom Hearts, the whole Kingdom Hearts series, which is like big on music and a big, you know, uh, series that I, I never really got into. Um, despite trying, I played through like at least like one and a half of them and I was like, I can't get into wow. it. But whatever, her music's like tremendous. I yeah. really, I really did try. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. So like all the music in the game is like, awesome like it's like these are like three like people that are at the top of their game um in the video game world for composition so uh 
that's been really exciting. So I've been digging that game. I'm probably like, I think I just got past like the third world. I don't know how many there are, but then there's like all these extra side quests and battles you can seek out and do. And uh, what I'll do is like, I do some of them and then uh, I progress, you know, kind of through the worlds. And then what I'll do is once I beat the game, I'll then go back and just start slowly like pecking away at like the little side quests and stuff, because these are the kind of games that like, I might not like go for every collectible, but I'll probably want to like do all the battles and stuff. Cause there's just so many fun combinations and fun things you can do with the characters. So, that's been really great um and also just like old game i've been playing but it was on like the ps plus like i have it included with my like ps plus extra subscription subscription or whatever it's called tricky towers and it is my new obsession it's basically like tetris <laughs> but not only are you tetrising the blocks to line them up but you have to like there's physics involved so like there's a it's like you're making a, a tricky tower i guess and it can like wobble and you need to like obviously get it to a certain height it needs to stay and you're usually versing like some kind of computer character and or they're like throwing magic at you and like manipulating and trying to screw you up and uh that has been that's like i probably it's honestly probably like a mobile game that they made for console but i am yeah. enjoying it on my on my ps5 so <laughs> really really fun so that that's a bunch of my recommendation recommendations for this week what about you, yeah. sir? Me, I have barely watched any TV this week. Uh, I've had very limited time. Uh, one thing I did check out is over on the Vice TV app, or I'm sure it also is on Vice TV if you have that as part of your cable package. But uh, Vice recently launched a docu-series called Tales from the Territories. And if you're a professional wrestling fan, as I am, uh, this thing is actually produced by The Rock and Seven Bucks Productions. Like The Rock's everywhere. But he's producing this show called Tales from the Territories that tells of the territory age of professional wrestling before Vince McMahon basically, you know, shut down all the other territories and put them out of business by raiding their talent and going national. You know, wrestling used to be a regional sort of entertainment that every region had its own main sort of federation and its own stars and its own championships and its own way of doing things. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's a pretty interesting sort of look back at uh, like 60s, 70s, early 80s wrestling. Because on top of that, in the territory days, it was less about the showy stuff that WWF became with all the music and the lights and the pyro and the over-the-top characters and the comic booky villains. It was more about presenting something that felt real, that really made the audience buy in and think, these two guys are trying to kill each other. <laughs> and, the, and the wrestlers pretty much like lived the life. Like, they could not be seen in public. If you're a good guy, you can't be seen with the bad guys. If you're feuding with someone, you have to go out of your way to be seen like hostile towards them by the public, even outside of the venues. Like the territory life was is a very different, interesting era in professional right. wrestling. That's so, so far, there have been four episodes and uh, I binge them all throughout the week. Uh, to catch myself up because it launched a few weeks ago. And uh, yes, Tales from the Territories, very, very good. Then this week, I actually have had the opportunity to watch three different movies. So oh. Monday night, I went and saw Black Adam, obviously, as we all know. And if you want to know what I thought of that, go check out last week's episode. Uh, then earlier today, today I've seen two movies, Brett. Uh, earlier oh today, <laughs> I managed to watch Man of Steel again. Uh, listen, A, because I want to, uh, I, I was invited onto the Chatter After, a special podcast being hosted by my cousin, Brandon Alvarado, and he had a number of wonderful people on board as a, for a panel discussion. I also and did the theme for that. 
oh, they, you know, that, you, that's also my handiwork. <laughs> speaking of the best composers around, I mean, uh, anyway. oh yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so he invited me on to talk about Man of Steel because you know they're going to release a, a special Man of Steel episode to kind of coincide with Henry Cavill's return to the role. So I wanted to rewatch the movie for that. I'm also now, based on that, going to write a new, like, up-to-date 2022 review of Man of Steel for the Superman on Film website, because I plan on reviewing all of Superman's cinematic canon there on the website, just so you kind of see where I stand on everything that's happened so far, you know. So I got to watch Man of Steel again, and it got me thinking about stuff that we're going to be talking about later with... uh, the new DCU canon and what is staying and what isn't and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And then right before we recorded, since it is the Halloween season, the family and I sat down to watch young Frankenstein, Mel Brooks, Ah, young Frankenstein. Nice. And uh, my kids have never seen that. And we were very happy to introduce them to that. We got some good laughs. Um, We got some good little creepy spooky moments for the kids because yeah, we keep them pretty uh sheltered on the scary stuff like these people have these two little kids have never seen like any like freddy krueger michael myers jason actual scary so for them any little spooky thing is like i'm gonna have nightmares mom but anyway (laughs) so yeah so we had a good thing we saw young frankenstein and uh yeah so that, that that's been pretty much all of my media intake this week i haven't played much of anything my personal free time has been pretty limited so uh that's it for me but you know what now let's go ahead and dive into some of the big topics for this week so i'm going to go into the superman on film update for october 28th 2022 so Adding to the official confirmation from Henry on on Monday that he is back as Superman, he appeared and he had an interview on Wednesday and I was kicking myself because I found out it was here in New York City, right across the park from where I grew up. And if I known that he was going to be, I could have attended this. I know people who went and I'm like, oh, come on. But anyway, so Henry was here in my backyard on Wednesday night answering questions for happy sad confused with josh horowitz and um there wasn't anything too monumentally you know newsworthy that came out of it because he 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 kept himself sort of tight-lipped and said that there were certain things that he could not share uh otherwise he would not be a very good partner and collaborator collaborator right now but he in general one of the nice things that what that came out of it was hearing about how he never gave up hope that he would be Superman again, even throughout these last five years with the studio kind of slamming doors in his face and it looking more and more unlikely and, and kind of like, you know, it it sounds like there were many attempts, many overages made many attempts to try to make his Superman stick around. And, and, you know, the previous administrations just wanted nothing to do with it, but he, he claimed that he held on to hope the whole time and he wouldn't be worthy of wearing that red cape had he given up hope. So he, he said all the right kind of sappy things, you know, never and wanted to give up talked, that paycheck. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, listen, if, if we're being honest, right. Uh, I really want to be one of the most recognizable characters ever. Doesn't yeah. that make me unique? Because I love the character. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. But look, you know, it's uh he also talked about wanting to tell you know some great superman stories including with an enormously joyful superman yes you know he seems to want to show a more you know the the classic 
uh, more vibrant, hopeful version of the character. Uh, in the past, he has been sort of, uh, you know, he won't come right out and say it, but you could tell that he was not too thrilled where things went after Man of Steel. And he really was hoping to play a more classic, optimistic version of the character. And uh, in this interview, he kind of just kept beating that drum that, you know, that's the direction he wants to go. And the one sort of newsworthy bit was the bit where he would reveal more information about how far along we are with all this. Because earlier in the week, the reports were simply that Warner Brothers or, you know, now DC Studios, which we'll get to in a second, that DC Studios is now soliciting pitches from writers for Superman. So that makes it sound like it's still not even really a thing yet. They're still just hearing ideas. But Henry, when he was asked, like, could you tell us anything about what's to come next? That's where he's like, I can't say a word because I'd be letting some people down. So that makes it sound like there actually is something already in play. You know what I mean? Because you're not spoiling anything if you go, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're still weighing out our options. Because that's what the official trade reports are saying, is that you're weighing out your options. No, he's saying, I can't say anything right now, but when I can, I will. So that definitely perked my ear up. And something that perked up the ear of a lot of other fans out there is that Zack Snyder sent in a video question to this interview. <laughs> and the question itself had to do with, you know, how Henry felt about being in that flying rig. And, and I guess he was reminding him of, of how Henry had to film some of those flying scenes very early on in the process before he had any idea what it was going to look like and all that kind of stuff. And uh, at the end of the little video that he sent in, he throws in this quick line about how, you know, can't wait to work with you in the future and you're the greatest Superman ever. And that's it. Now, people saw the thing about can't wait to work with you again or can't wait to work with you in the future. And they're like, restore the Snyderverse. Uh, what, what does this mean? Snyder, is he coming back? Is he going to be the one making Man of Steel 2? Yeah, people get really, you know, really, really excited about that. Uh, for me personally, I don't think you can read too much into that. Uh, that really is kind of like how people in that industry talk to each other. In the industry, it's kind of a pleasantry to be like, you know, we're, we're going to work together sometime. Oh, I can't wait for the next one. You know, the, the, it is a thing that right. you just say. You know, and, and, and what's to say it's going to be on a DC film or maybe it's going to be something else or maybe it's nothing at all. But the fact that Snyder threw in something about can't wait to work with you in the future, everyone right away goes to, oh, he's coming back. And I'm like, can we when will this ever die? Maybe with the news we're about to cover. Uh, that's an extra nail in the coffin of all of that stuff. I was going to say, like, but, uh, if, if you want to just have me do a full U-turn on how excited I am about this announcement, <laughs> tell me that Zack Snyder's coming back to do Man of Steel 2 or something. And I will just fucking, I will go right back. Listen. I will, uh, I will go right anyway, back in the dumpster that I rose out of. But I will just yeah. lay in I actually shelf. have, I have some interesting feelings on that after watching Man of Steel earlier today. But maybe we'll get oh. into that in a little bit. Yay! Because that movie really is kind of the blueprint. And it's interesting that it's yeah. still being clung onto by the new DC leadership as basically the first movie 
in the new canon. But I'll, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself here. Just in terms of the Superman on film update for this week, it's just that Henry's back. He's making his first public remarks about it. Everything's being received really well. It seems like there's really some real momentum here where they're getting the the, the pieces in play to get a new Superman movie starring Henry Cavill up in front of us sooner rather than later. So it's it, it's a pretty incredible thing, and I'm gonna want to hat you know like you know hat hash some of that out with you in a second. But now we got to talk about the other bit of news that arrived right after I published on Tuesday, which is that DC finally has some leadership. And that leadership comes in the form of James Gunn and Peter Safran. So now let's break this down because they are co-heads or the co-CEOs. They are co-running the thing. But they've got two very sort of different job descriptions. James Gunn is essentially the creative lead. He's the one sort of looking at the stories and the characters and, you know, kind of coming up with the grand master creative plan that is going to unfurl with DC on film over the course of the next several years. Peter Safran is a producer and he's going to be working more on the business end of things. He comes from the world of production. He's already been producing DC movies for the last several years. I think he's been on ever since Aquaman. I know he was definitely on with Shazam. I know he was part of Peacemaker. He was part of the Suicide Squad. He was formerly attached to the Conjuring franchise and the expansion thereof with James Wan with that. So actually, it seems like James Wan was sort of Peter Safran's gateway into all this. Yeah. But either way, yeah, he's had a good run. And that's his world. He's got the business brain and the business contacts. And James Gunn is going to be the creative brain, the creative sort of, you know, mind running thing. So before I go into any more of that, Brett, what did you think when that news broke? So I remember when this first like came up that they were like shopping for like a new heads. James Gunn name was floating around all the time. I don't know if that was like an official capacity or just people were just yeah. saying like, why don't we get James Gunn? James Gunn did Suicide Squad. He knows comics. Like, you know, there was all that going on. Yeah. And then I feel like someone even asked him and he was like, no, nah, I'm not interested in the job. I could yeah, be making that did. up, but yeah. I, I think he did actually do that. He did. Yeah. So that when I saw, I, you know, I got, I saw this announcement and I was like, holy moly. But, um, honestly, I think, I think it's great. Um, like, you know, the two things I was just saying, like kind of like joking around, but listen, this guy knows his comics. He knows stories. He knows how to make handle ensemble films. He knows how to handle big casts. He knows how to hand, uh, work with big stars. Knows how to work with effects. Because you know a part of this plan too is that he'll also still be open to direct things. Um, I remember reading yeah. that as part of the article too. So I mean, mm-hmm. listen, he he gets it. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, listen. I know. Say what you want. Some people say like they don't like his style or like the way his comedy is and blah blah blah. But you know what? Those Guardians of the Galaxy movies, I you know, I know people like were a little sour on the second one, but I think that gets a lot more hate than maybe it deserves. Um, that second film, and I think those first two, those are fun films. They had a lot of great character moments. Like uh, Guardians Two was all these beautiful character moments and character development. He understands it. He really does, and he still needs to finish up Guardians of the Galaxy Three at Marvel, which is really funny that he still has, he's basically still with them yeah. through May. You know, yeah. next year. 
Um, and then he can probably focus all of his time on DC. But I think it's I think it's the right choice. It's someone who inspires confidence. He is a filmmaker. Like, you know, no offense to Kevin Feige, you know, but he's not a filmmaker. Like, he's just like the brains. He's the guy. He knows how to do the planning, you know, and the business side, you know. But James Gunn is a filmmaker. um, And he's made these types of films before. And he's already playing in this this sandbox. So, to me, it's like, no, you got him. I I think that's awesome. And I think this is kind of cool, too, because, like, that they decided to co-CEO it or have it be co-run. Because I think that keeps him free like i said to direct and mm-hmm. to maybe not get burnt out and to be where he needs to be and then have like you said peter saffron handle a lot of the business stuff so really he could just focus on on the yeah you know, creative and it's so i think how it's they, really good setup yeah no yeah, go. yeah and, and it's also apparently interesting how they got the job because you know like you said james gunn had initially in other moments been offered it or been asked about it and was like no thank you but in recent months, since David Zaslav has stepped in, they have apparently been advising him. They've been giving him advice on what should be going on with DC, on what executives he should be thinking of hiring, how he should be approaching this. And apparently it got to the point where it's like, you guys have so many great ideas. Why don't you just be the one? <laughs> Why don't you do just it? run the whole damn thing? You know, just do it. Instead of telling me who I should hire to do what you think is a good idea, just do what you think is a good idea. I trust you, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting to think of it that way. Like, that's really what sort of set the stage for them to get the job. Because they, it, and thinking about that now, it's like, well, if they've been the ones advising Zaslav the last few months, that's pretty good, too, because that means that there's cohesion in what he's been talking about in interviews and what they will presumably be executing on. You know what I mean? Because I thought about that, too. Like, Zaslav has been out there talking about putting together his his team with the 10-year plan. He's been talking about putting Superman and the A-list characters more front and center. He's been doing all this. Or what if he brings in James Gunn and Peter Safran? And they're like, no, we're not into all that. But no, <laughs> they're the ones who've been in his ear. So you got to imagine... They're the ones who said, well, what you need is a team putting together a 10-year plan. And what you need <laughs> is this. So, and what's been notable too is that in their statement, accepting the job, when they go to highlight some of the DC characters they love most that they cannot wait to sort of build this universe around, the very first name is Superman. The very for each time it's come up, it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and they, then they kind of go down the list. Right. But it's like even they're continuing the thing of like, no, Superman first. Superman is our top yeah. priority. That is number one tier. And then we worry about all the other stuff, you know? Well, a couple so, of things, you know, to pop in here. Like, um, so one thing we should mention too is that um, I know it's been pretty well documented that. Uh, Kevin Feige has also utilized James Gunn for advising on a lot of yeah. the films. He's been yeah. a very much a part of a lot of the films and helping them plan that out too. So he obviously has experience doing it on the Marvel side. Like he hasn't just been involved in Guardians. He's been asked I'm pretty for sure, help on a lot yeah. of things. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure he was very in, in, integral in the phase that led to Endgame. 
Like I'm pretty yes. sure he yes. helped creatively put together that last phase and was set to be part of phase five. And then the, the weird firing thing happened with Disney yeah. and that kind of threw everything off. Isn't it funny to think by the way, that like the right wing trolls who dug up the old tweets that were already explained and apologized for many right. years ago. And they were trying to like ruin his life. Uh, through that weird, you know, rabbit hole they opened <laughs> up, he made a movie for DC and now he runs DC. So, uh, right. thank you, trolls. And, and, uh, the weird, other thing, I know that's amazing <laughs> that how that happened. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. You saved, you actually saved DC studios. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention too is that, um, you know, when that firing happened at Disney and he was getting, and James Gunn was getting courted by DC they were asking him what he wanted to work on and yes. uh, if i'm not mistaken one of the things they initially put in front of him i think they asked him was like would you want to work on superman and yeah. uh, as i understand it he he basically was like like nah i'm not going to like touch that but uh, and you know but we could we could circle back on this when we talk about you know the future superman project yeah. cuz i'm curious to see your thoughts uh you know we'll get there <laughs> on yeah. him and being involved with that but whatever yeah but yeah, so w when it comes to having the two of them on board now and the two sort of, you know, they're each going to be focusing on their specialty. Uh, I'm very excited because, as you said, I think Gunn brings the good. Similar to what I was discussing with James Prescott two episodes ago about the kind of director I want to see involved with Superman. Uh, the kind of person I want running DC in general is someone who understands that you need to have a balance between the spectacle and the character and there has to be heart and emotion and stakes and something to say and it can't just be about looking cool and being stylish and blowing stuff up or trying to make it look like a comic book come to life you know because if you look around like at, at like the sony verse they still haven't quite figured out how to tell these movies and do yeah, them no. consistently well. You know, if you looked at the Fox, you know, canon back when they were running X-Men, it was so hit or miss. Like in yeah. general, it's been very hard to like, you know, have a successful, consistently great comic book movie franchise. And I feel like at the center of all of that is you need to have someone who understands the balance of spectacle and story and character and isn't just trying to come up with some neat way to sell you some action figures or, you know, so um, I think I think Gunn has that because in everything I've seen so far, there is um, there's a great balance of character. There's a point of view in the script. There's big moments, there's small moments, there's things that make you laugh, there's things that choke you up, there's awe-inspiring visual spectacle. You know, he gets the, the importance of all that stuff. So having him kind of creatively overseeing everything gives me a lot of pause, gives me a lot of calm, you know. Um, and then specifically, too, when it comes to Superman and how he would feel about Henry Cavill and all the, you know, w what Black Adam was trying to line up. Let's not forget, you and I discussed earlier this year, Brett, when Peacemaker was out on HBO Max, how notable and interesting it was that when the Justice League showed up and all those silhouetted shots at the in, in the finale, that gun went out of his way to include a Henry lookalike. You know, at a time when he didn't have to do that, 
he included right. the you know the, the Henry Cavill Superman outline as if to say like this is still our Superman and this is the Superman in my peacemaker world you know so now I feel like it's going to be a real easy natural sort of progression for him to keep this guy as his main Superman in his new DC universe that he's in charge yeah. of not to mention his brother did Brightburn which was a riff on Man of Steel. And I, I remember reading around th that time, too, that Gunn had a lot of strong opinions about Man of Steel. So I feel like when it comes to James Gunn and Superman in particular, I think he's fully on board with the return of Henry and with sort of continuing from Man of Steel and trying to build out Superman's world a bit. So that's another thing that gives me a little bit of hope. Speaking of which, by the way, something I didn't mention on Monday uh, that's been floating around all week is this there's a hashtag that's been used by Henry and his team that just kind of has people going, hmm, which is the dawn of hope. Danny Garcia used it. Henry used it. Hiram Garcia used it. The Rock might have even done it. This dawn of hope. And it just like some people are wondering, like, is this just them saying like, you know, it's it's time to be hopeful, everybody. Or is this some sort of tease for what the next movie could be called? So, mm -hmm. uh, Brett, what do you think? When you when you see Dawn of Hope, are they just being cute? Or is this their way of teasing you what the next film will be? Yeah, I, I don't think it's the tease of the next film. I think because I, I first I mean, first of all, I think that's a horrible title. I think it's more of just like a um, uh, what's the way to say it? I think it's more just like um, their way of kind of labeling this new era that they're heading into. This is now like, you know, it's like when you look back at the comics, yeah. we have the golden age of comics and then there's the, the crisis area of the comics and like the way they kind of like do the new 52. DC's done yeah. that. They have like these little like, you know, eras uh, of the comics. Um, and I think that's just kind of what it is. They're trying to say like, this is now like the dawn of hope uh timeline or something like that like yeah. moving forward now this is going to be this new reinvention of dc going forward so i think it's just like a cute thing to kind of um you know get the fans to rally behind like this is the yeah. new direction that's what i think it is yeah don't don't do just, dawn of hope for the title there's so many good things you could do there's so many good ideas out there already. Like, man, if you want to steep with the man of, right, we do man of tomorrow. Or what if we fucking just do Superman? It's just call it. I mean, Super really? You that's going to be called Superman right? the movie because there's never been still a Superman. Be the Reeves one. Yeah. So just do Superman. Um, I think that would be cool. Um, I'm honestly, if they even did Man of Steel 2, I mean, like, that's fine with me. But, like, I just think there's so many other cool things they could pull from the comics. So don't do Dawn of Hope. Don't do something stupid when you have, yeah. like, gold in front of you. <laughs> and now let's talk a little bit, though, about what got James Gunn the job also, like his qualifications. Because remember, when we were talking about Dan Lin back when it seemed like Lin was going to be a sure thing. Yeah. You know, the word on the street was they wanted someone who knew how to do TV and movies who knew how to take a movie and expand it outward with spinoffs and build on that world. And it's like, what has James Gunn just done? Right. He did the suicide squad and we already did peacemaker, which was went over really, really well and was well received and well loved and is coming back for season two. We know he's already dropped a tease about another character from that universe, getting their own spinoff. So he's already shown that, like, I can do the thing where I make a movie and then give you HBO Max content at the same time. And they all sort of work together. 
you know? So, you know, uh, I just wanted to point that out because that that's another thing in another feather in his cap and yeah. another qualification that got him that job because that is important that ability to not just give us great movies but give us a thriving sort of tv series network that goes around it you know and and uh, and not even that so like so like he he does movies he does tv he directs yeah. and he writes he's a yeah. pretty prolific writer he's written a lot of projects like um yeah. and a lot of different things like he actually wrote if i'm not mistaken i think he wrote cabin in the woods which um right might uh, have i wasn't that drew goddard or, was or it drew goddard it? i don't know yeah he directed i think james gunn wrote that movie okay I could be totally yeah. wrong um and uh you know he's written he's written like a ton of things he like slither I'm, I'm, no he 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 has yeah. a very oh wide the belco experiment stuff. he's done a lot of like horror things uh uh brightburn i think was his too right didn't he write brightburn well i think he co-wrote on it and produced yeah yeah okay so i mean like this guy's done everything and he's, so many different things like so it's really come on man <laughs> yeah no i'm you know i always go back to one thing though all right are you uh, gonna say Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo too? Because <laughs> he did he did write those, so I know did. that's not the best thing. No, I always go back to the one thing for the person taking this job, and now it's two of them taking this job. Uh, yeah, they go into the thing where when they, when they mention the heroes that they're looking forward to adapting, right? They mm -hmm. mention Superman and Batman is right there next, and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and. And it's like, for me, it's like one of these things is not like the other, because again, you have the rest of the Justice League and Affleck is still kind of like apparently that weird holdout where he's going to do the Aquaman 2 cameo. But like we said last week, it's going to be like limited Affleck engagement. It's the Affleck limited. Yeah. Uh, so is Gunn on board with Michael Keaton just being old man Batman in a new rejiggered Justice League. Because to mm. me, I don't know, that, that's that got to feel weird. That's got to be weird. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, too, like, there was news this week that the Batman will not be arriving until 2025 at the earliest. So it got me thinking, like, the script hasn't been turned in. It's years away. Do you think they find a way to make Battenson part of the main continuity? Do you think uh, they would like have the guts to do that? Uh, I, or you, uh, or you just not uh, want them to? I, I, because like I don't know. Can you picture Henry Cavill standing next to Robert Pattinson? I feel like he'd be like towering over yeah, him, and like, yeah. And the and listen <laughs> again. I'm not. I'm not the stickler guy. That's like everything's got to be like the comics. But sometimes yeah. I'm just like they're usually about the same height in the comics. Like they have like this equal, like I just feel like Henry Cavill's like godlike structure next to <laughs> Pattinson and his like crazy weird armor, um, yeah. which I love by the way, but you know what I mean? Obviously I've gushed about Batman a million times. It just, that doesn't work for me. So I don't yeah. know. Just listen, you either get Ben Affleck to, to fucking come back in or just, uh, I don't know. I think, I think you, you, you make point, a new mainline Batman for that, and then yeah. to keep because like we already like, we got established stuff. Um, and I don't know, we might I don't know if we're getting into this in a future segment, but like right, we did establish the Joker too, and the Joker are still like the Joker movies with Joaquin Phoenix are still yeah. going to exist outside of this. Outside, um, yeah, and uh, so 
and and it seems like the Batman also is going to still exist outside of this. So yeah. you got to get somebody in in the main line. I think it's so, just weird. You know. It's just a weird scenario because yeah. especially now that Henry's coming back, when Henry's yeah. future was up in the air, it was like okay, listen, you know they're going to have to recast both Batman yeah. and Superman, and you know, all right, only Jason and 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 Gal Gadot are returning, and Ezra Miller's up in the air. But like right now, it seems like Ezra seems to be pretty. Like Warner seems to be sticking with him and with the Flash, or them, at least till at least till that movie Flash. comes out. <laughs> yeah, but for now, like Ezra is still in play. Henry yeah. is now officially back. So when you look at the Justice League lineup, it's just one dude missing. You know, so the that's what the it feels Michael like. It feels Keaton. like the band got back together, but like the they couldn't get the original drummer. Like, you know, but like it would have no, been okay before. Like if it was original... just the singer and you had all yeah. new people bandmates, it's like okay, they're just doing a tour, they're cashing in, fine. But now it's like you got the whole band back, where the drummer's like, no, I'm not coming back. <laughs> they went and got the guitarist from the like before they were famous, and they snuck him in there, and they're expecting the, uh, the crowd to be like, yeah, yeah. but. uh so yeah, it's it's just kind of like it's a weird scenario there. If you know, if I'm taking over and I'm trying to come up with my plan for DC on film, not being able to touch Batman in a meaningful way—that sounds funny—but not being able <laughs> to touch Batman in a meaningful way has got to feel. Yeah, you know, that's got to be a strange limitation. But let's talk about the canon a little yeah. bit because a few weeks ago. Uh, when Comic-Con was happening here in New York, there was a, a clip I saw, like DC had some kind of like panel and they, 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 they played a, like a highlight sizzle reel before the panel began. And what was notable about this is it highlighted only a select few DC movies from the past. And it really kind of gives the sense of this is what the new brass considers the DC canon now. All right. right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mention the movies and you're going to notice right away what's missing, but <laughs> I've, I was intrigued by what's there. Okay. Cause it's showing all these highlights of the heroes and you're seeing their emblems and you're seeing, you know, quick little shots from what's happened so far, but when it highlights the actual names of the movies and then it goes to DC the only names it shows are Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, The Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey. Like it, it glossed over most of all of 2016, even <laughs> Justice League. Like it didn't mention anything. It was literally Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam, The Suicide Squad. And like, that's the canon. Like, it, like it, it really gives the impression that like when they were having their internal meetings, it's like, these are the movies that we are going to bandy about as what our series right. is. Everything else, we're either going to figure out a way to re retcon it, or we're just going to act like it didn't happen anymore. And we're going to hope everyone kind of forgot, you know? Right. So when we're when we're looking at it that way though that excites me because if man of steel is still something that they're very very proud of and in this thing there was a lot of shots of man of steel it's the first one they show and if you're paying attention to the actual canon that has been you know unfurled over these last 9 years it makes it so that superman really is the first hero 
you know, Man of Steel, you know, at the time when that when the events of that film happened, there are no other metahumans. There are no other heroes walking around. And I love because Superman well, like right, the first superhero. is technically around, but I guess she's not active during that time. Yeah, remember, she's supposed to be in her hundred years of hiding, yeah. depending on the canon that you're going yeah. by, by the way. But yeah, but, but no, uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's uh, so I kind of like the idea that like Man of Steel is kind of the blueprint. The fact that Man of Steel is the first film, it's the Iron Man. Okay, it's the yeah. first film in the new DCU canon, and they're bringing Henry on to continue it. So Man of Steel is essentially the beginning of the DCU, it just like just as yeah. it was for the DCEU, but. You know, in this new rejiggered canon that we're going to have post the Flash and with all, you know, with the regime change kind of coming in and saying this is how we want to present ourselves now. Um, I just love the idea that Superman in this world was the first hero, just like in in the comics, you know, Superman is considered the first big superhero, the first comic book that sold like that and that made people obsessed with yeah. superheroes. He's the king of them. And in the new DCU canon, Superman came first, just as he should have. Right. Um, well, I know like people obviously people maybe have problems with Man of Steel as a film, but like, yeah, there's really nothing in that film that is problematic. Like you could totally build everything off yeah, of that as movie. a start. Um, it totally you know, whether, you know, whether you like the next snap at the end or not, you know, that's another story. But like mm -hmm. there's nothing in there that like you cannot all of a sudden like, oh, I can't use that or build off of that. It's it's totally yeah. a, a fine jumping off point. And like I said a thousand times, it's my favorite Superman movie. You know, I yeah. like that movie a lot. Yes, there's issues with it, but I really like the movie. Um, yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really see any issue with that. And, uh, to be honest, like, you know, they don't have to mention or reference back to the Justice League films. But yeah. I mean, if you just, if the this sequel to Man of Steel comes out and it happens to take place after the Justice League movies, I think that's fine too. You don't really need to like reference back to him, but like, um, you know, the heroes could know each other already. So, cause like they did meet up during that point, but you don't really have to like dig so hard into it and like bring up Steppenwolf yeah. and dark side, uh, dark side and all that stuff. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I get, it's interesting that they're not really mentioning them in, in the, the marketing and stuff like that, but yeah. I think they could still totally technically exist. And we just know, Hey, these heroes have gotten together and fought back something once, but uh, you know, this next man of steel movie is uh, you know, just Superman. And it's a little more of like a, a um, an insulated story. And it's uh, obviously going to be with Brainiac because that's what we need to see on the big screen. <laughs> you know, you, you, I mean, I was thinking too, like, I don't know if it's too late to add this into the flash, because I don't think when the Flash entered production, all this Henry stuff had been ironed out. All this Henry stuff is pretty new. Yeah. So, you know, and there have been some pickups of late. And uh, we know that they added Henry's cameo in pickups for Black Adam. So maybe they could have added something substantial. But in the Flash, like, I feel like it could be something that could be handled with, like, one line of dialogue practically. Where like when Barry figures out that he could phase between worlds and that there's all these different versions of it, you could you, know, you could have him just say out loud or to whoever the like if he's doing any of this with somebody else, he's like, you know, I want to go to a world where Batman and Superman didn't fight. 
you know, and, he, and, and, and that's where we go. And that's the Superman that we continue on from outward. It's almost yeah. like this is a Superman that after man of steel, things didn't go that way. After man of steel, there wasn't some blood feud with Batman that's veered everything off. This is just the, you know, we can continue on from what was set up in man of steel and forget about the rest. Yeah. You know, like something you could do with just like a, you know, a cheeky line like that. Like, you know, I, I want Superman, but I want one where he, you know, he hasn't been killed and, you know, uh, yeah. where Batman tried to freaking murder him. So anyway, it, it's, I feel like there's a creative way to handle it if you want to handle it. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> That's so bad. I like forgot about the Flash movie and like that it's supposed to do all the time travel shit until just now yeah. when you said it. And I'm like, oh, duh. But like, yeah. <laughs> They can just that movie can totally retcon and reset anything we need. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming they're still banking on that, and uh, that that they'll still utilize it. That, yeah, so I guess they can technically erase all the other stuff, or you know, that's the main pivot point, right? Because yeah. everything that went bad went from the Batman Superman feud. So if somehow you can get to a point in the continuity where you're dealing with a Superman who didn't go down that path. Uh, you have a Superman that you can now continue onward using Man of Steel as your part one. Now, where's you know the proper part two? Yeah, you know, if Barry prevents the events of Batman versus Superman from happening, then technically, according to I don't know if this was even in the Whedon cut, but it's I think it's in the Snyder cut. Whedon, the Whedon, Whedon. whatever. Who can't he's not even a good person, so like, I kind of could say his name wrong. He fucking sucks. Uh, so. In, in the Snyder version, right, we see in the beginning of that that when he gets, like, murdered by Dark uh, – by Dark, whatever, Doomsday, Dumbsday. He looks so stupid. Dumbsday. Uh, has anyone used that before? I feel like I'm coining that right now, Dumbsday. I've never heard of Dumbsday. You can have and Dumbsday. He's, he's fucking Dumbsday. So <laughs> when he gets killed by Dumbsday, he does this – he screams – and then his yeah. scream is what notifies Darkseid and Steppenwolf yeah. about his presence. And, and then that's when like that kind of like incites uh, in the Snyder version, the Snyder cut, that incites yeah. them coming to Earth. So if if somehow like the Flash can go back and like prevent that whole thing from happening, from Luther getting the body, from all that stuff, and just prevent the events of that movie, then we can do a new justice league where they all meet again for the first time. Cause they'll never have met and Superman will never have died. And yeah, they can kind of just get away from that. They can kind of get away from that whole thing. And listen, and that's the thing. So now let's go into just man of steel to chatter because aside from what you're saying, there are some things that have to be fixed that have, like if we're going to continue with Henry, right. And yes. we're not sure which of his movies we want to build on. You know, if we, do we want to include BVS or not? You know, here's some things to remember. Okay. At the end of Batman versus Superman, unlike in the comic books, where after Superman and Doomsday have their fight and Superman dies in the comics, they, they, they say Clark Kent went missing. In BVS, Clark Kent is dead. Okay, That's right. he's deader than dead. It's announced in the Daily Planet, dead, dead, dead Clark Kent. You have all of Smallville burying him, which you could make the argument that Smallville would go to bat for him and would keep his secret. If he did come right. back, they know Clark was Superman because, you know, in Man of Steel, there's lots of sort of implications of that. But you've announced to the world this guy is dead. 
Okay. So what are we going to do about having Clark Kent back? You know, you can't just have a man of steel too, where he's just Clark in the beginning and he changes and we don't, you know, we like, if you don't address BVS and retcon it out, then you have to explain how did Clark come back from the dead and everyone's just cool with it. You know? Right. What? And then this to me, isn't a mistake per se, but I think it was just a bad decision, but using BVS uh, as like, if this is Canon, that that means that Metropolis and Gotham are like neighboring boroughs. Sister right cities. The water them, from right? each other. Yeah. And it's like, that's just, that's too close. Yeah. They like, like Manhattan and New Jersey did like yeah. basically like they're just that, like across the river. <laughs> it's supposed to be New York and Chicago, baby. It shouldn't be like, I can, Oh, I could see Gotham. Oh, look, I, I could see the bat symbol from here. Oh, cool. I, I wonder if I should answer. He's, he's running a little late. Like, no, <laughs> Gotham and Metropolis are not supposed to be on top of each other like that. Right. So I wouldn't want that in the Man of Steel too either. You know, like there are certain things. And, and again, that wasn't established until BVS. Like, you see, BVS was the problem. Yeah. BVS is the thing <laughs> that we have to deal with here. But yes, BVS killed off Clark, killed off Jimmy Olsen, and established that Gotham is right across the street. Uh, what do we do about this? Not to mention now you, you've already taken this character through a huge part of his arc, you know, doomsday. That's a thing that should happen. You know, once Superman's been around a while. Yeah. When Henry Cavill's ready to retire and not do the yeah, role you anymore. Know, that's that's you in movies. That. Yeah. In movie number six. All right. It's doomsday time, but they did it in movie two. So I'm like, you know, they may want to figure out a way to just back out of the whole BVS thing, you know, and maybe they're going to use the flash as a way to do that. The show maybe like a particular fork in the road is reached and down that fork is where all the events of BVS happen. But the story goes this way now. And that's just what we do. I oh, just had an ahead. idea. I had an idea. Oh, so, scared. yeah, no. So. If you know how the Flash is supposed to be like kind of like the goodbye to Ben Affleck, like yeah. that was, or we don't even know well, if it is supposed to be now, but initially like, yeah. it was the send off. <laughs> I think that might be the way where to for Ben Affleck to bow out and for them to like reset a reality and get a new Batman in there is like throughout the whatever happens in the Flash, you have a moment where like I don't know, basically Ben Affleck's like, I have to sacrifice myself because, uh, stuff and i gotta get sacrificed it's the only way because if i'm never being a dick then superman would never come to get me and then we wouldn't have that big fight with dumb's day and it's like so basically it's like it'll be like all his it'll be all his fault and he'll talk like this now (laughs) because because alfred's not around to make his little voice thing so now he talks a little bit like a fat italian guy no even better hang on hang on hang on hang on that what it see, I've had this theory for years that tackles your theory. Okay. I've always thought it would be great and powerful and beautiful if Barry saves his Martha. If Barry saves Bruce's parents, that Bruce, he doesn't become Batman. And if he doesn't become Batman, none of that other stuff happens. You but then it? you need to put us in another universe so we get another Batman. That's exactly. not Michael Keaton because yeah, he's yeah. in the 70s. Um, 
yeah, that we still need a Batman. We but either way, though, Batman, if, but I, I just feel like if you did a thing where like he saves the Waynes in that yeah. continuity, and you get Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and you get what's her face, uh, Lauren Cohen, yeah, you get them back, and Barry saves them, and now you know that Batfleck has never been created. Because if that if they didn't die, he's not going to be that miserable prick who tried to kill Superman in thirty three. Right. You know. So so that that could be an interesting way just to handle that anyway. But uh, but specifically now with Man of Steel too, right? In terms yes. of like things that we hope come back or things we hope they change. You know, I want a proper Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do about BVS staying in the canon or not, but I want a proper Jimmy Olsen. To me, you'll get his like half melted shrapnel body <laughs> from the explosion, and he'll just wheel in. No, he got shot in the face. BVS got shot. Oh, that's Jimmy right. He Olsen didn't explode. Shot face shot. Face. They can put his face partially back yeah. together. I mean, he his face exploded face in, didn't it? in the desert in Africa. Don't anyway, you think the shot exploded yeah. his face? I mean, it might have exploded his face. But listen, I want, I want a proper Jimmy. You're gonna get Jenny Olsen. And, Jenny Olsen. Well, we already had Jenny. Yeah. You don't she's not that? dead, right? No, she's not dead. So then she but, could be. Uh, it could be Jenny and Clark. Well, that's what I was gonna ask you though. Like now, in terms of the rest of the supporting cast, right? Where everyone's talking about Henry, but part of what made Man of Steel so unbelievable was that stellar cast you know it was it was right out of like what christopher nolan did with the dark knight trilogy where he really classed up the joint you know you yeah. had diane lane and kevin costner and Lawrence fishburne and russell crowe like amy adams you had like a, an academy award lineup there as his you know supporting players so we haven't heard a single word about anyone else coming back. So let me ask you, Brett, like, do you want them to have, you know, full, like bring the whole cast back? Or well, Kevin Costner's dead. They recast? Right. Pa Kent is dead. So, I mean, he doesn't yeah. need to come back unless we're going to retcon that retcon the death. Well, you know, yeah. And keep Pa Kent around a little longer. No, we but need anyway. Pa Kent to be dead. But I'm saying for like one of those like ghost memory flashback things, you know, he could be around. I feel like he, if it was just like a cameo thing, I feel like Kevin Costner would come back. I feel like yeah. Diane Lane doesn't have much going on. She'd probably come back. What I don't think is like, do you think Amy Adams coming back? Because I feel See? like, no. Yeah. I don't know. Adams like, that's just my gut. I don't know her, you know, but like, I don't yeah. think she's coming back. The a the Amy Adams thing is tricky. A because she's probably onto bigger and better things now. You know, yes. she was always kind of one of these, you know, respected in demand actresses who doesn't necessarily have to do uh, probably anything at this point, but that definitely doesn't have to do any uh, silly superhero movies unless it's something she really, really wants to do. I was surprised when she even got cast initially in Man of Steel. Yeah. And I was like, I just didn't think it was like in her state. Like it was, it was below her station. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> at the but time, here's man. the thing too that I find tricky, and that there's actually like a parallel here between uh -huh. uh, Amy and Henry and Margot and Christopher, where. Mm. Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve had a fair sizable age difference. There was an age gap there, but you didn't really notice it in Superman 1. And Superman 2, you didn't really notice it because it was shot practically simultaneously and they're very close to one another. 
In Superman 3, we don't see Lois much, and a lot of the focus is on Lana. And by the time we get to Superman 4, which came out nine years after the first film, uh, the age gap has become very, very pronounced. And Chris and, and Lois almost seems more like Clark's matronly older sister in the in, in Superman 4. Right. Uh, and right now, you know, Amy has got nine years on Henry. And again, not that noticeable in Man of Steel when he wow. was... Yeah, he was 30 and she was 39. Eh, You're within striking distance. By the time they get to filming this, Henry's going to be 40 or 41, so she's going to be about 50. Now, listen, I don't doubt that, you know, Amy can can stay in great shape and look young and rejuvenated and, you know, Hollywood, all that sort of uh, treatment she's going to get can keep her looking young and spry and fit. But is that going to read... You know what I mean? It, right. it, will a Lois Lane who's 50 and a and a Superman who's 40 and still looking like a chiseled god out of stone? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I have a feeling it's going to be like a Superman 4 situation where it's going to be like, uh, she's a little too old for him now. You know? Well, maybe we, so, maybe we have to normalize that, Mario. Maybe we got to normalize I mean, maybe, the older maybe woman that's part of it. And that's the thing. And you could. You could go that maybe way. Maybe Clark's looking for like a mother figure as his wife he's got like an edible complex wow you know so deeper so deeper so much not that deep not not, no let's not go any deeper (laughs) down that path but uh yes that's just one thing to me when i think about amy i think about the age gap and how like she'll be 50 when we get to man of steel 2 and yeah and maybe 50 will be great but in theory Henry's back for good. He's not just making one movie. So if he's going to be making Superman movies for the next four, five, six years, it's just something to keep in mind. You know, she's going to be in her mid to late fifties by the end of this trilogy. And I don't know how that works, but you know, I don't want to sound ageist. If they want to make that part of the story, if they, if, if having an older, wiser Lois is part of what they want to do, then let's do it. But I remember watching over time the gap between Kidder and Reeve becoming very, very obvious. And it almost like you could tell the filmmakers were self-conscious about it because <laughs> their connection in part four was hardly romantic at all, you know? So, uh, anywho, <laughs> uh, when it comes to bringing back the supporting cast, like what I want them to bring back Amy, um, like I'm honestly, I was never obsessed with them together. I no. never thought Henry and Amy had this chemistry that was undeniable and you just got to do it, you know? So I don't have that loyalty to her like some fans have. I've seen a lot of people kind of adamant that Amy has to be back for this. Me, yeah. I could actually, I could be fine with a recasting. It's got to be someone good because, yeah. you know, Amy Adams brings the acting chops and the gravitas. She was just she underserved, too, in, in the movies yeah. that she was in. Like, she didn't, like, especially like when you, you know, coming off of watching, I mean, granted, I know it's a show, there's more episodes, but coming off of Superman and Lois, like, I mean, she, like, the character, Lois Lane's character, right, is, like, is yeah. so important. Yeah. And uh, Elizabeth, uh, what's her last name? Tulloch. I forgot it, but. Tulloch, yeah. Tulloch. She's like, she's tremendous. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, but I, I, I really love her Lois and I like like her 
attitude. And I think we saw like a little bit of that with Amy Adams, but it just it just wasn't enough. So like I'm okay if they recast it just because not that Amy can't do the job or isn't good, but just yeah. because like I haven't seen anything from her that like made me so yeah attached to her as Lois Lane. And yeah, the chemistry was like eh, whatever. I don't know. They went to a bathtub together yeah. and giggled a little bit. I was like, okay, it's cute. It was like I don't know. Yeah. There was nothing about their connection that made me obsessed with the two of them. Yeah, uh, I would like to see Lawrence Fishburne back as Perry. I yeah, that's great. Good Perry White, I'll come back. Why not? I'd love Diane Lane back as Martha. I think mm-hmm. she was an integral part of things, and to have someone else there would be weird now. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And then, what do we do about Jesse Eisenberg? Right, Lex Luthor that's- has been cast. Yeah. Do we keep Jesse? Let me ask you what, what I feel like we must have discussed this years ago, but I'm, I'm not sure. Where did you land on the Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor? Um, I was okay with it. Like I thought it was like an interesting like take on the character to make him like kind of this like, you know, spoiled, like kind of tech mogul, <laughs> you know, in a way. Yeah. I thought it was like an interesting modern spin on Lex Luthor. Uh, and then we, you know, we got the look by the end of, uh, you know, uh, Batman vs Superman. We got the bald the bold look. And then yeah. of course we had that really cool teaser for the Legion of doom, which like, that was like really starting to sell me on him when we got that. But it's yeah. like, I wanted to see more of him, but I mean, yeah, that, that works for me. It's, it's different enough from the Gene Hackman and the, and the, you know, uh, don't say his name, Kevin Spacey, uh, portrayals <laughs> of the character. Um, yeah. so I, I would be okay with that. Uh, honestly, you know, it, it just depends to like what their plans are. Cause like, you know, a lot of people are probably like, you know, I, I've always heard the thing, like, it's the same thing. Everyone's always like, Oh, I'm sick about ba- seeing Batman fight the Joker. Yes. It's his greatest villain. But like, we've seen that so many times on film and Superman, we've seen Luther so many times on film and he has so many other rogues in his gallery, but it feels weird to like have a universe of Superman that where Lu- Lex Luthor doesn't exist at all. Like, I feel like he yeah. should still be there being a pest, but maybe he doesn't ever have to be the main villain, you know, um, of like any film. So it kind of depends what their plans are. Like if, if they're gonna elevate him to be the big villain in one of the movies, uh, maybe I think maybe you do recast, but I feel like Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor is the perfect guy to just be there meddling in the background and just being like, you know, either like somehow like the mini boss up to the big boss or just constantly. He's the power broker. He's the one putting together the threat. He's the one funding bankrolling. Just making life difficult, you know, but not necessarily because because, again, it it is stupid because you can't have a fight with them. Right. It's it's always he has to do something that hurts Superman emotionally or mentally or, 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 you know, whatever. Or he's in a, a big, stupid power suit. And then we just have a big, you know, let's punch each other. And obviously, you know, Superman's going to win. Um, so that's, that's my, my, my thing. I think if you want to keep them in, like you said, power broker meddling in the background, I think keep the casting, but if you want to put him into more of a power player and more of like, maybe like a lead villain in a film, I think we might want to look at, uh, recasting that. Yep. When it comes to the score and everything, uh, mm. I gotta tell mm. you, even though I loved I loved hearing the Williams theme at the end of Black Adam. I didn't think I would, right? We talked about it here. Yeah. But they did it just right. Yeah. They uh, did like a little slower version of it. Like they yeah. did the, the Hollywood thing it that they've like been liking to do lately. Yeah, yeah. It was a little more like, you know, it sounded more, you know, modern, more Henry Cavillish. But I still hope they bring back Hans Zimmer. 
You know, having just yeah. watched Man of Steel earlier today, the music he came up with across the board is just beautiful. And so many great motifs, so many great melodies. Like to have all of that just disappear now to me seems a little ridiculous. So I really do hope they do like what I was discussing with James a couple of weeks ago, which is, you know, do to, to take a page out of Star Trek where the new movies incorporate melodies from all previous Star Trek, but also have their own score, you yeah. know, so have something that has bits of Williams and is primarily Hans Zimmer. But even throw in other homages, other nods. Yeah, there have been other Superman themes. Give me a few bars of the Lois and Clark theme at some point. You know, give me, you know, I don't care. Like, you know, you can have fun with that like they did on the Star Trek series. Because in the Star Trek movies, you know, sometimes you hear the, the next generation theme or you hear the original TV show theme. And it's more so because the the composing sort of philosophy seems to be that these are all motifs from the star trek universe so we're going to use them we're not going to act like they don't exist anymore right so it would be cool if in man of steel 2 you know we hear both we hear some williams we hear zimmer but bring zimmer back zimmer and junkie xl i think yeah. they did a great job great, for me great job. For me, I just like, um, you know, when there's like a new uh, iteration of a character, like, yeah, I like them to have their own identity and their own theme. And like the John Williams, listen, it's iconic. It's an amazing theme, but it's it gives Reeve. you that nostalgia hit. But that's the Christopher <laughs> yeah. Reeves one. And, and you know, we and it's not like we didn't get a good one for Henry Cavill and Man of Steel. We got an amazing yeah. one. There's, that soundtrack's phenomenal. So, so um yeah, it just seems like to me. I'm just kind of like, you know, give him, give him in his own theme. We don't have to keep like living in like the nostalgia shadow. Because, and I'll tell you what. Because I'm sure I, I'm sure I said this on a podcast years ago. But um, you know, when we weren't so, when we were still excited for Justice League at that point, even and, and we didn't, get, we didn't know <laughs> oh, about you know the, the Joss Whedon yeah. cut yet, and we were excited. Yeah. And then I found, and then I found out we got that news that. Danny Elfman was going to do his Batman theme for Ben Affleck and the thing. And I was really excited for that. I'm, I'm positive because I'm sure someone will go back and find it. Like I probably was like, oh, awesome. Bring the Danny Elfman theme back. Because also like he didn't really have like a real theme in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. There he, is he something sure on the soundtrack, but it's like not – I don't even know what the hell yeah. it is. It's like weird. It's like not – it's like a non-committal theme. Um, <laughs> but when, when they actually did that and especially on like rewatched – like I was just like, uh, like I wish he had his own theme. Like it just yeah. this doesn't fit. I love it, and I got the little pop from it. But at the same time, I was like, this doesn't really fit his Batman. And, it, and can we just pause? Hey, can we just point out how crazy it is that Hans Zimmer was asked to write a second Batman theme? Like, well, the I same know he composer. Did. I know, but he didn't. <clears throat> <laughs> and he did it. I know. I wonder if that's why he didn't. He couldn't come up with anything. There He's is like, something I already I think... scored the Dark Knight trilogy. Now yeah. I have to make a new melody for this one. I think there is a track on that soundtrack, if I'm not mistaken. That's meant to be the Batman. That is called like Batman theme or like the Batman. Or hold on, I'm going to tell you right now. Um, maybe not. I could. I could be lying. Yeah, There's one of the tracks are the on there though. Men are still good. The Batman suite. Yeah. There's like, uh, uh, I'm like, look, I'm like looking at it in real time. Yeah. But um, just sometimes I feel like people like th that flies over the head of some that Hans Zimmer wrote a great and iconic and well-received Batman score for the Batman tree of the dark Knight trilogy. Then he does a Superman reboot 
And right away is asked, hey, can you do a different Batman theme now for a totally different Batman? Yeah. Uh, how many composers can say they did that, huh? Two versions of the same character within a few years of each other at that. But I just, I, I enjoy that little bit of trivia because uh, I'm just funny that way. Yeah, no, but yeah, there's not like a real identifiable one for it. And uh, yeah, so I, I would like them to either use the Zimmer or bring somebody in and, and give him something definitive that's going to ride out for the rest of the thing. Um, I wrote yep. a really good Superman theme, so I'm just throwing yes, it Yes, you did. I yes, mean, it's a rip off sure of the Hans Zimmer one a little bit, but it's it's good. It's, <laughs> it's mad a, good. It's really it's good. It's very good. In fact, I'm going to do this. Look. Ooh. So while that plays in the background, um, something else interesting, too, about Black Adam and how it's or any of the other Superman fans is that in Black Adam this is a slight spoiler but I don't really care that much uh, <laughs> they set up the fact that Intergang exists here alright remember I was talking to you about Intergang when we were talking about Superman and Lois because yes. Intergang seems to be coming up on season 3 so in Black Adam, we've got Intergang established now, I think for the first time ever, in the DC film, film canon. Yeah, in yeah, the film man. world now, we have Intergang. And they are using alien tech. Just like in the comics, I told you, you know, Intergang at times, like they buddy with people. They, they, they work with Darkseid and all that kind of stuff. So it's just intriguing now that Black Adam brought the intergang into the dcu and we're setting up a clash between black adam and superman but they have a common enemy already an intergang uh, so i'm kind of starting to see like you know the, the i'm starting to connect the dots for where they might be going with all that stuff but yeah having the intergang thing i thought was really notable and really interesting um it is interesting well yeah well Anything else though, when it comes to Man of Steel 2, any other things on your wish list, Brett? Is there anything, Leo? Are you on the same boat as everyone else where it's like Brainiac would be the great next villain? Or is there another way you'd like them to go with it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I just think Brainiac's like an interesting villain. And they could, I mean, listen. There's two ways they could go with it, right? It could be like a CG crap fest for Brainiac, or they could, you know, they there are depictions of him a little more humanoid, where they could yeah. do it a little more practical and less CG. So, I mean, I would hope they go that route because I would like something a little more grounded. Um, even yeah. though I know it's like he's a fantastical kind of character, but I feel like they could do something really grounded and interesting with that. Um, so, yeah, personally, I would like them to go that route. I do want to mention um, I have not seen Black Adam yet, but I have seen the the scene. Uh, you know, the, the yeah, I know how you saw it. <laughs> I know. I, I wonder how I, I saw it. Um, but in that video, I do want to point out that they got the oh. coloring just right on that suit. Yes, like, they did. The yellow is very bright and vivid and the red's the right color red and the blue is fucking mwah. It's fucking kiss that exploding asshole. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> it is, it is, that's a Louis CK reference. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and his yeah, voice. Like, 
his and so I and I, you know what when they said the spit curl was coming back I was kind of like well, it's gonna look stupid oh it looked great <laughs> it looked yeah, so good the yeah, spit curl yeah. looked awesome and I thought he looked uh, he looked great in the suit and I like the way they have it colored so I hope they stick to that or you can give him the best suit which is uh, I'm gonna move the wrong way the one behind me which is the high collar new fifty two suit right here that's folks. all right it's the best that's suit look at the way the cape falls. It's great. It's really good. You're the best suit. suit. You don't know anything. Yeah. Um, it's Kryptonian battle armor, and it has an explanation, and it's good. Okay, <laughs> I do believe you. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, Brainiac for me. I mean, who else? Like, who realistically, like, uh, you know, I don't. I'm. I. I really don't want to see like him fight like the reign of the Superman because like how many times have we seen like let's fight stupid clones of the main character, yeah. which is like. That was like the only downside to me for Logan was like that. It was just like, that's the boss. It's just a clone of him at the end. Stupid. Um, but he's fighting himself. Okay. It's the nature yeah. versus the nurture. Okay. You know, <laughs> and then like all, like most of the Marvel films where it's like Black Panther, even though Killmonger is probably still like the best villain they've ever had, but like, it's just Black Panther fighting mean evil Black Panther. And then the first Iron Man was Iron Man fighting stupid Iron Man. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> stupid, I, uh, Jeff Bridges, Iron Man, I murdered in a, he murdered in a, in a cave with a box of scraps. Okay. Um, wow. Jeff Bridges and, uh, yeah, like, so I, I, I don't want that. So it's like, who's the most interesting And we did Zod already. Um, yeah. so, and then we did dumb's day and we talked about how we're not ready to do doomsday yet. And if we're going to do doomsday, we do it at the end and we do it the right way. So we're that's off the table, and I don't think he has any more villains, right? I think that's it. That's it. That's all of them. That's all. Yeah, got like, them all. No, I know there's like a bunch of other ones, but like what, Mix, Mister Mixaplex? Mister Mixaplex. We're gonna do Mister Mixaplex. Come on, <laughs> you're not doing Mister Mixaplex. Are you kidding? Yeah, Mixaplex? it's gotta be Brainiac. I'm it's gotta be Brainiac. Mister Mixaplex. Um. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm proud of you. Or just like you the U.S. government <laughs> could be the yeah, villain. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, one other thing that in all of this, uh, excitement with James Gunn and Peter Safran and all that stuff, kind of like the lost in the shuffle is the fact that now there is a DC studios, they're yeah. folding DC films. They seem to be consolidating other departments. There is just going to be a DC studio. I told them to and do this. Yes. I and think it's I interesting just a couple episodes those... ago. I was like, just make yeah. the DC studios, damn it. They did it. They listened. <laughs> for anyone who's not paying attention to or doesn't know their comic book movie history, you know, calling it DC Studios is taking a page right out of the Marvel Studios book. But that's a big deal because Marvel was kind of lost until they did the Marvel Studios thing. That's Marvel right. had been the comic book property and they they you know they had the comic books and the toys and licensing. But like they were kind of a mess through the 90s. I, I think there was even like they were bankrupt. Like Marvel was not doing great. Hence yeah. why well, that's why the Fox sell. ended up with all of the properties, yeah. because when well, they went bankrupt in the 90s, they sold all the rights to their characters to and Sony and companies. Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Some are in Fox. Some are in Universal. Yeah. The, the things and got that's how that whole mess happened. Shopped yeah. around. Yeah. And then it was finally in the mid, you know, in the mid 2000s where Marvel got their hands on some money. 
and they founded Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige stepped in. And that's when Marvel finally got sort of rocking and rolling. They had a dedicated film studio where all we do is mine and develop our Marvel IP for the screen. And so now to have DC finally stepping up and doing that, because it, it always seems like, yes, there were DC films and there was DC entertainment and there was DC this, but it didn't seem like there was a lot of cohesion. It didn't seem like the people making the movies were talking to the people who were making the CW show and the people who were ma making CW DC shows weren't talking to the people making the stuff that was on HBO, like, uh, doom patrol and titans like right. nothing was connected nothing and, and and one of the apparently one of the big initiatives with warner brothers discovery is to kind of silo everything get it all sort of under one cohesive banner and where the buck stops at one desk when well, now at least it's going to be two desks but it seems like we're going to have dc studios we're going to have james gun peter saffron they're only reporting i think they only have like one other chain above them it's like two names like michael deluca and something else yeah that's right but i think that that's all they have to answer to they are responsible for everything else and hey that's a lot of pressure but i like the idea of having it all focused in one place so now marvel studios was the key to the mcu and now DC Studios seems to be the key to the brand new DCU. And you're going to notice I keep calling it DCU this week instead of DCEU. And it's because in these recent press materials that have come out since Gunn and Saffron have been hired, it has been referred to as the DCU, as if this is now the official branding. And this is almost part of their way now to break from the past and complete at last, the slow-moving reboot of DC on film. So now it is the DCU. Again, they listened to me. I said, get rid of the fucking E. <laughs> and they did. So well, mind you, too, is that I'm at the forefront of fucking innovation here. You are. It's you and uh, Toby Emmerich. No. Yeah. But yes. So Hey, Toby Emmerich, hey. So there you have it, folks. I I I needed to try to focus in on that DC Studios bit too, because that that I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle. I think that's an interesting subplot in this yeah. whole situation, and it's going to be interesting to see now with one centralized brain running everything and deciding, you know, what happens on film and television. Um, hopefully, this means the future is very bright, very very bright. Uh, did you? Are you going to force me to talk about Marvel or are we going to wrap this up, Brad? You want to you just not give Marvel the time of day? I mean, we can do it. Honestly, it, 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 it's kind of it's like, quick. and we'll it's it like quick. a microcosm of what this week has been like for me because, yes. like, earlier in the week, the, the big news that I cared about was Henry Cavill's Superman. And meanwhile, they, they released the Ant Man and Quantumania trailer. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> care about this then they, they they unveil the news of of james gunn and peter saffron and dc studios and yada 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 and marvel's like look at these black panther reviews i'm like i don't care <laughs> so because yes the uh the the embargo on wakanda forever has been lifted and the reviews are starting to hit so i imagine that's something that people would talk about but uh 
Let's talk about Ant-Man first, all right? You made me watch the yes. Ant-Man trailer. I made you watch it. Um, you go first since you made me watch it. What did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? All right. So I'm I'm a big it's no secret. I am a big fan of the the first two Ant-Man movies. I do really enjoy them. They're some of my uh, favorite uh, films from the MCU. Um, you said ever I was going to fire you from. This. They're some of my favorite films ever. No, <laughs> out of the MCU, they're 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 two films that I very much enjoy. Um, and this trailer. Um, oh, and I have to give you shit about something, but I'll, I'll do it when we're sure, done sure. with uh, this. Marvel this stuff. trailer was not. I'll be honest, it didn't like get me like super hyped. Like it didn't yeah. like do like anything crazy for me, but I thought it was fine and I thought it did a good job of just kind of setting up uh what the film's going to be about. Um I thought that was very clear and we got our first look at um at least one other version of Kang the Conqueror. Um yeah. This one is in his traditional comic book garb and uh we also did get to see shots of uh i forgot what it's called but like his like city that's in the comics that he like runs and stuff that's in there in the quantum realm so yeah. um i'm kind of you know intrigued like you know and and it also seems that um you know uh scott's daughter now is older and and we were as we were talking before we started recording is a different actress because i guess they were like oh we're going to give her a big part now so we need a good actress for it cuz she is going to they basically they Revealed that right away that she is going to yeah. get her own suit and become stature, uh, who it, it, you know in the comics. So it's kind of cool because like I know we're going to be getting a Fantastic Four film in like a few years, but like yeah. they've built this family dynamic now. Like now, like you know, Scott is together with um, what's her face, yeah, and with the Wasp. <laughs> with the wasp. Um, what's uh, her name? Uh, uh, Evangeline uh, Van- Lily. No, the uh, the the character. Why am I like blanking out? Van, Van Dyne. Something Pim. Van, Van Dyne. Van, Van Dyne, and Janet Van Dyne, Janet Van Dyne. Is that the mother? That's the mom. Michelle Pfeiffer, is Janet Van Some Dyne. Other Van I don't remember. Dyne. So anyway, a bunch of Van Dynes. Evangeline Van Dyne. I don't Evangeline, <laughs> Evangeline Van Dyne. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, they, I can't they remember your name. You're Evangeline from now You're on. Van and everything. Van Dyne. Uh, so Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet Van Dyne. Uh, upon uh the daughter, She's it's Hope. Catherine. Hope. 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 Hope Van Dyne. Evangeline is Hope Thank Van Dyne. Hope Van Dyne. Uh, Cassie uh, 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 Lang, Scott's daughter, makes some kind of communicator to the quantum realm, and it seems to make Michelle Pfeiffer very pissed off because she had spent a long time in the quantum realm. So apparently, she knows something that's there that's not good, and we shouldn't be sending signals there. And blah blah blah. And it's probably she probably had an interaction or running with Kang or some bullshit. I, that that's the the vibe I'm getting. Uh, interestingly enough, though, this is going to be well. Uh, Here's the thing. So uh, we're getting into some really cool, crazy out there worlds because we're doing the quantum realm. And uh, as many people have said, it's not an original thought. It's uh, at parts of it. I was like, oh, this looks like Star Wars. Like there are a lot of weird aliens and like creatures and that kind of looking people and uh, stuff like that was interesting. But what also scares me, um, especially after coming off the like multiverse of madness and stuff, uh, is it's just going to be like one of those volume green screen CGI crap fests. Um, so that kind of upsets me a little bit because I could see it already and it was just in the trailer and I'm not even talking about like the quality of it. Like forget even that, just like all these, just, I don't know. So there's something like that doesn't grab me about like these really computer generated environments. I don't know. I don't think I'm the only one. You know, I don't no. mind them. I think they're cool. They have their place. But, but if like, it's the whole movie, if it's like the whole movie, yeah, like I, I don't know. So that makes me a little nervous. But I love Paul Rudd. Um, and like I said, I like these films a lot. And uh, yeah. 
I'm excited. Listen, this is the one that's, I guess, ending or starting phase five. I don't even know what phase we're on now. I guess this is supposed to be the, the one that's that's starting the new one. And this is actually now the first one in, in like uh, introducing the big bad, the main threat, uh, which is Kang or one again, one of the Kangs. Um, and that, as we know, we are getting Avengers, uh, the Kang dynasty before we get Secret Wars. So this is now the first one that's actually going to propel stuff forward and maybe not feel so disconnected like the most recent films have felt. So that is, an, is, a, is a positive for me. Like, oh, that'll get me the, my drive back. But there's some things that make me nervous and some things, whatever. And also like none of that was as exciting as all the DC stuff that we got this week. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my quick, uh, long, long uh, Yes, circle. your quick, long thoughts. My quick, long, full trailer. circle thoughts on that. Okay. Yeah. My thoughts what, what did you think? You don't even care at all. Like, no, you don't care I at care all. some. Look, I like that it seems to be expanding in scope with each movie, Ant-Man in particular, right? The first one was kind of like a pretty kind of small, simple story, a heist tale, very focused on Scott and Hank, and didn't really seem to have many large ramifications outside of that particular story. But then Ant-Man and the Wasp was a pretty important one. Remember, that that came out after Infinity War, but before Endgame, and it ended up setting up what, you know, what they were going to need in order to solve this mess that they were all in. So Ant-Man and the Wasp ended up being like an expansion on the first, but actually fairly important in the grand scheme of things. And now this one seems even more true on both of those fronts. The scale yeah. seems much bigger. Like you said, it looks like a Star Wars film. Quantumania seems like it's going to be some big, crazy, insane adventure that they're going on. It looks like a lot of the movie takes place there. But also, since we do know that Kang's dynasty is going to be a big thing and the, you know, there's going to be an Avengers movie about him in this trailer, you see he's trying to, like, get them to help him break him out of this place. Right. So you kind of see where this is going too, where they're going to accidentally usher in the next big bad. That's what I'm getting out of it. You know, unless yeah, I'm yeah. reading the tea leaves wrong. It's like there was something in the trailer like, you know, he's like, I can help you get out of here, but you have to help me too or something like that. I'm like, ah, right. okay. So they're going to help him. And then by the end, he'll be out of Quantumania. We're going to find out he was banished there. That he didn't just get lost there. Right. He was banished there by someone trying to protect us from what he's capable of. And now we're screwed. And that's going to help set up, you know, so you could tell it's going to be important in the grand scheme of things. I love me some Paul Rudd. I love Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm as interested as I could be. Uh, it looks, it looks pretty good, but I know I, I share your concerns. There's a lot of CG. There's a lot of that. Like this was filmed on the volume type of vibe, which by the way, I think is one of the, this is like a tangent a little bit, but I think one of the reasons we love Andor so much is that it's like the first of these new star Wars ones that isn't on the volume. They shot in a lot of practical locations and they flew around the world. And I actually think you can feel the difference in the show. A hundred percent. And that right? show looks fucking beautiful. It looks beautiful. Um, and meanwhile, we, we were all about the volume. I remember I was when it was first announced. I'm like, oh, this is going to change filmmaking. Yeah. You never have to go on location again. This yeah. is going to this is going to bring the budgets down. It's going to bring the creativity up. 
like to me it was this magic bullet yeah. but now that as like you know i'm seeing it there are limitations to yeah. filming it it's all great as long as you don't over rely yeah. on it and that's what i feel like the some of the recent star wars shows have over relied on the yeah. volume um because like even like real the first yeah. season of Mandalorian, I feel like felt way more grounded and like there were physical locations because I, yeah. I think they they definitely used the volume on that because they created it on that. But I think they only used it for some of like the bigger like open desert shots, like most of the interiors and stuff that was all shot with like practical sets. Um, and then you noticed, I think, in season two way more volume use and Boba Fett way more volume use and a hundred percent of Obi-Wan. It was clear in, in a lot of sections too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like you just got to find, you know, when and where to use it um, rather than just trying to rely on it for like the whole, the whole piece, you know, the whole film. I agree. Or show. Now or listen, I am not going to talk about Wakanda forever because I don't care enough right now. What I do care enough about is saying, how dare you, Brett? How dare dare you How dare me what emphatically recommend she hulk to me okay i binged that show for you last week i watched all yeah. nine episodes of that show and i hate you for it why I, you didn't like it you I, hated it i thought it was so mediocre it was so wow. not for me she looked the, the the CG on the Hulk itself was horrendous. Yeah, it was not great in a lot of the episodes. Humor I found super like inconsistent and kind of cringy. I couldn't. I watched it out of obligation. It was there were fun. things I enjoyed. Listen, there were little clever things here and there I enjoyed. But as soon as I was done, I'm like, I got to start looking for a new co-host. All right. This guy. Listen, told I me think to see this. I think I've gotten really good at setting my expectations. Yeah. Because like I had I didn't have crazy expectations for that show. And then yeah. I really because it was just like a fun light romp. And also, I mean, we're gonna spoil She-Hulk right now. Um we're just real quick That's and then we're gonna yeah. then we're gonna wrap up because this is a the long episode. Thing? Yeah, this is a but, long um, episode. How much did you love the finale when we met Kevin? <laughs> I mean, listen, and, that was great, that was smart. It's every cliche and stereotype of what people say Marvel was made by. Everyone says like, oh, it's like assembly line. These are yeah. movies made by like an algorithm. You know, this is like, you know, this is not made yeah. as, this is not. And they art. just totally took a shot at themselves, which and I appreciate. Like, yeah, that's what it is. You know, it's basically and a computer program. that <laughs> She also goes, uh, when she's on the floor and she's talking to him, she's like, what are we getting? The X-Men. <laughs> she like straight yeah, up said yeah. it. Like, when are we getting the X-Men? And I was like, like this, listen, is, this is very good stuff. She's charming they're, they're, as hell. She carried the show for me. She's charming. She's charming she's as all hell. Sweet for whatever oh, also, reason. You go, 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 go. No, go, go, go. this is going to be just my little observation. Whoever runs that show likes her feet because she's barefoot a lot. And I just tend to notice that kind of thing. So she's yeah. charming. <laughs> I think maybe you feet. like her feet too. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's go, go. If you go back and watch it, the amount of times I see Tatiana Maslany barefoot it's just notable. I just, these are things that I hey. notice. Um, how did you feel? How did you feel about uh Canon Canon daredevil? She Hulk sex. Oh man. I mean, they listen, straight up slept together. They straight up did it. And daredevil was the highlight of the whole thing. Seeing Charlie Cox back for that episode, you know, 
that really was like the only that was the main redeeming thing of the entire first season of that show for me. So thank you, you for about the mustard yellow, the mustard yellow and ketchup. Suit. No, he looked great. It looked badass. Yeah. He looked great. Um, and Charlie, you know, Charlie Cox just uh, he's he's grown into it. He's even more like self-assured now. And yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next with Daredevil. But if I never see another episode of that damn She-Hulk show again, I will be fine. The, 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 the joke they did that I got the most mileage out of was in the finale when they open with what looks like the Bill Bixby intro, but shot with her. Yeah, that was they actually amazing. have a bodybuilding woman dressed in green and as the Hulk and whatever. That By the way, it made really me feel like you should have just got an actress because it would have looked more real than this. Yeah, that maybe. CG was really bad. Come it's, on, it was bad for like ninety percent of it, but there was like a couple of times where it looked really good, and I was like, "Why can't we do this every time?" <laughs> like, uh, there were a few scenes, like I couldn't like tell you which scene, but there was like yeah. a couple of times where I think it was probably later in the season that I was like, "Oh, this looks really good now." Like, it looks like as good as like because you know Ruffalo, I thought you know looks good as the Hulk, um, in uh. A couple of the movies. Well, um, it's, it, it's interesting, though, because with with the Hulk on the show, it's like they were allowed to put some texture on his skin. He had like a five o'clock shadow. You could see the right. pores and the lines. He was just and like I flat guess green. Hulk is a female. I guess they were trying to make her look more feminine. So they yeah. didn't give her any texture. So, she, so she's just smooth green. She looks like a cartoon character, you know, and yeah. that the hair is so perfect. Like, you know, if maybe they put a little texture on that skin, a little hair on the knuckles now, but just a little texture on the skin. And maybe she wouldn't have looked like uh, that. She walked off of the set of Shrek. Right. But uh, yeah. So how dare you recommend that show to me? I mean, different strokes for different folks. I'll forgive it this once. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send in a topic or question for a future episode of this here show, please send it to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com. And also be sure to follow us over on the Twitter at the fanboy show. And Brett, uh, how do they follow you? If they want to yell at you for making me watch She-Hulk, how do they find you on Twitter? You don't need to yell at me for that. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Super Brett And you can find me at Superman on film, all one word. I've also got the website www.superman-on-film.com, which lately has actually had some stuff, some updates. There's been things to talk about. So the website is actually kind of a thing now. Who knew? but uh everyone thank you for being here for episode 167 of the fanboy podcast please if you have not yet take some time to like and rate and review the show and tell your friends about us help us keep on growing and until next week be kind and stay fanboy adios so long